0: This is A Little Deeper, a mini-episode of Women Studying the Word. I'm your host, Meredith Beatty. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to another one of these mini-episodes I'm calling A Little Deeper. My goal in these little episodes is to tackle some questions that I might not have time to address in the main teaching episodes. Things that, if you're like me, in your study, they make you stop and wonder and maybe ask some questions. They might be things that have troubled you for a while and you were afraid to dig into them to find the answer. Maybe you, were asked, you asked yourself, I don't know how to answer this question. In the past two episodes of the podcast, I've gone through studying Psalms 1 and 2, and there's one thing that popped out at me as I studied Psalm 1, and I didn't have time to discuss it. Psalm 1, if you remember, has a beautiful description of the righteous man, or the blessed man. It says this, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now the question comes right at the end. Here's where I think there might be some questions. Did it pop out at you as it did to me? In all that he does, he prospers. What is this? Is this a promise that if I meditate on God's word and follow him, that I'm going to prosper in everything I do? Is this a guarantee of some kind of material prosperity? Well, you might go to other translations to see if there's another wording, but they don't really clarify the issue. New American Standard says, and in whatever he does, he prospers. NIV says, whatever they do prospers. And the CSB says, whatever he does prospers. So in some, the focus is on the man prospering, and in others, the focus is on the things the man does prospering. Either way, we might feel a little stuck. We might come away with some nagging questions because if we're being honest, we know we're not guaranteed material prosperity. If we have a decent knowledge of church history and of the lives of the godly people around us, we know that those who have followed Christ have suffered. Some of the most godly men and women are the ones who've suffered the most. And then we have this reminder in Second Timothy 3.12, which says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So what are we to do with this phrase in Psalm 1? In my last episode on Psalm 2, I talked about being tempted to soften the language of the Bible and how we shouldn't do that. So we don't want to soften this language. We don't want to just brush it off. But how do we handle it responsibly as students of the Bible? Well, our first reflex would be to, you know, let our eyes drift down in our study Bibles and read those study notes or search for a commentary or maybe do a Google search. But my whole goal in this podcast is to teach you that you can dig deeper than you think you can. You can actually learn some tools to figure out how to find the answer. So one of the ways we can help ourselves is to recognize our modern bias I don't know exactly who my listeners are and where you guys live, but I live in America. And one particularly egregious heresy that originated in America and has unfortunately been exported to other places is the prosperity gospel. If you're not familiar with the prosperity gospel or not su- you're not sure how to define it, listen to how Joe Carter from the Gospel Coalition defines the prosperity gospel. He says, The prosperity gospel, also known as the health and wealth gospel, or by its most popular brand, the Word of Faith movement, is a perversion of the gospel of Jesus that claims that God rewards increases in faith with increases in health and or wealth. And even though I thoroughly reject that heresy, and I hope you do too, I would be a fool if I thought I read my Bible completely uninfluenced by it. I talked about bias and reading with awareness last season in an episode called Reading Well. You might want to go check that out if you want to learn more. But my point is that when I read this phrase in Psalm 1, because of my bias, because I'm probably being um, unconsciously influenced by the thinking of the prosperity gospel or just, you know, the American ethos in general, um, I almost immediately think about material prosperity. So one of the most important things I can do with this verse is to recognize that bias and then let the Bible correct it. So I want to ask myself, what does the rest of the Bible say about prosperity? Well, the prosperity talked about in the Bible is sometimes material. Solomon was one of the richest men on earth and God blessed him with that. So material prosperity isn't evil. But more often, the Bible talks about spiritual prosperity that's rooted in a relationship with God. Job is an example of this. He lost everything, wealth and health, but in the end he found that only in knowing God was he satisfied. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was framed for a crime he didn't commit and thrown in prison, but God was still with him in these dark circumstances and caused him to prosper. In the end, he could forgive his brothers and say that what they meant for evil, God had turned for good. And this is really the root of true biblical prosperity for those who know and love God. In any and all circumstances, we can be confident that God is working them for our good, not always material good, but for a deeper and truer good. Of course, Paul himself said as much in one of the one of the most famous Bible verses Romans eight twenty-eight, that says for we know that for those who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose Paul who suffered more than any of us probably ever will was confident that God was working for his good in everything so that's a way you can help yourself with this passage and maybe some other difficult passages Ask yourself if your biases might be skewing your interpretation, and then pull in the whole counsel of God, reference the whole story of Scripture to give you a more complete perspective. Because in this case, it really comes down to humility. It comes down to realizing that your perspective isn't the only perspective, and your interpretations are always colored by not only your sin, but just your life experience, and you always need to let the Bible correct that. Now, because I'm not the expert, I've pulled up a couple commentaries to check myself. One resources, resource I've come to like because I don't have a big physical library of commentaries is Bible Hub, and I'll put a link to them in the show notes. It's Bible Hub. But for time's sake, I will mention my favorite, who is Charles Spurgeon. And here's what Charles Spurgeon says about this phrase in Psalm 1. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Blessed is the man who hath such a promise as this. But we must not always estimate the fulfillment of a promise by our own eyesight. It is not outward prosperity which the Christian most desires and values. It is soul prosperity which he longs for. We often, like Jehoshaphat, make ships to go to Tarshish for gold, but they are broken at Ezion-Geber. But even here there is a true prospering, for it is often for the soul's health that we should be poor bereaved and persecuted. Now this is my favorite part of his commentary. He says, our worst things are often our best things as there is a curse wrapped up in the wicked man's mercies. So there is a blessing concealed in the righteous man's crosses, losses, and sorrows. The trials of the saint are a divine husbandry, which by which he grows and brings forth abundant fruit. Now you gotta love Spurgeon. He is one of my favorite old dead guys. And I love how he brings it back to the imagery of that tree in Psalm one, how true prosperity is defined by fruitfulness. And if we submit to God and trust him, whatever happens in our lives, the good and the bad, he will work them for our good. So I hope these tips will help you as you continue to dig deeper into the word. And thanks for listening to this mini episode. If, you've, if you have any questions or just want to let me know what you think of the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can do that through Instagram at the Word or email me at meredith at womenstudyingtheword.com. And make sure you're subscribed to the podcast because in two weeks we'll be studying Psalm 23. But wherever you are on this journey of studying and understanding the Bible, you can go one step deeper, and I'm here to help. See you next time.